Welcome to A Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the answer to life, the universe, and everything is sex workers. I'm your host, Parker Westwood. Today, I am really excited to bring to you a super fun interview. I had the absolute privilege of speaking with Kate Kennedy, uh, who some of you may know, some of you may not, but she is a laugh riot. She's a stand-up comedian and porn star and is just such a cool person. (laughs) Um, Really had a fun time with this interview. They also have their own podcasts, uh, The Cam Girl Chronicles, and another podcast that they are co-host of, Two Girls, One Mike, The Porncast. Both those will be linked in the show notes along with so many other things that we talk about, so check those out. In this episode, we go through a day in the life of Kate Kennedy, We get to talk about coping with isolation as uh, she tends to film a lot of clips on her own. Um, She works alone often, so dealing with the isolation, not only that that provides at work, but in in life in general. Um, Talking about sex work community and mutual aid, definitely taking some time to talk about stand-up comedy. Um, and then we, we talk about OnlyFans and how OnlyFans has kind of shifted how the adult industry works. Now, this was recorded before the whole OnlyFans debacle, so keep that in mind. Uh, for those of you that don't know, OnlyFans decided they were going to ban uh, sexually explicit content on their site and then recently rescinded that decision uh, because of all of the pushback. And there are some actions, both in-person and virtual, that are occurring today when this episode drops on September 1st. Um, Because the reason OnlyFans made this decision was due to banks and their decision not to process payments that have anything to do with the sex industry. Um, And they're doing, the banks are doing this because of anti-porn lobbyists and anti-sex work lobbyists that are pushing them Uh, to do this for fear of legal action. So there is going to be a link in the show notes to sign on to this letter supporting sex workers and asking the banks to uh, change their upcoming policies that are supposed to be launched on October 15th. Um, Please, if you support sex workers, which I'm assuming you do if you listen to this show, sign that letter. The information to that letter of support for sex workers is going to be linked in the show notes right there up at the top, so it's the first thing you see. But you can also access it via sexworksignon.com. Again, that's sexworksignon.com. And add your signature. You don't have to be a sex worker to sign. You can be just a supporter, an ally, a friend, a family member. Um, Any and all support helps in this arena Um, sex workers are trying to fight for their rights, for our identity as workers. And this is a workers' rights movement. And it's hard for us to gain any workers' rights when we're also constantly fighting for the right to survive and the right to be recognized as human beings. So any any support you all can give is really valued. So thank you. Okay. Now we can jump back into the podcasty stuff. (laughs) 
I'm just going to take a minute here to say thank you to all of the Patreon supporters. Um, you can support this show on Patreon at patreon.com slash sexygalaxypod. You can follow us on Twitter at sexygalaxypod. You can follow me on Instagram. I post about the podcast at parker.westwood. And this show is brought to you by Companion Tax, a tax service for companions and people in the sex work industry. Um, So you can check them out at companiontax.com. Okay, so now that we've got all of that out of the way, let's dive into the interview with Kate Kennedy. Kate Kennedy, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. The way I normally start this show is to have the guests introduce themselves the way they prefer to be introduced with a name, pronoun, location, if you care to share it, and what kind of sex work you do or have done. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, my name is Kate Kennedy. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, uh, but I will also answer to hey, you. Um, (laughs) I care very much about respecting everyone's pronouns. I am not at all picky about mine. Um, I use male pronouns for my pussy for some strange reason. Never yes. figured out why. It's <laughs> like he's a him. Like he definitely is. Um, Love it. I live, in, uh, I live in Hollywood in Los Angeles. And uh, currently I just do uh, online sex work. I do OnlyFans. I've kind of been transitioning away from so much of the in person, I've in the past I've worked as an escort. I was a porn star for a while. Um, I've done lots of different kinds of content, and uh, I've kind of started to move towards. I now do stand up comedy, and I'm a writer. So, hanging up the heels a little bit. Oh, I also feature dance. I still do that. That's so fun. Fantastic! I love that. <laughs> as a former stripper, I'm like, yes, you, yes. Can, you can never not be a stripper after you. No, started. you you can take the girl out of the strip club. You can never take the strip club out of the girl. It's, exactly. It's, it's in you forever. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, and how did you get started in, in sex work? So I was a year out of college and I could not find a job to save my life. Um, I majored in advertising and in art history. Um, and so I, there was not a lot of jobs in either of those fields. No uh-huh. one told me that it was a really bad idea to go spend a bunch of money on a degree in historical architecture. <laughs> um, go figure. Go figure. Yeah. I like, I was like, where are all the jobs? They're like, that's not a job. Um, you just like going to museums. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I bounced around a little bit and then I was doing lifestyle BDSM at the time. So I was mm. pretty involved. I, I volunteered at a dungeon in Denver. I had started traveling a little bit and doing different kinds of like educational classes on like uh, both BDSM and like polyamory and ethical non-monogamy. So I was already at a point where I was kind of traveling around the country and and doing that and I wasn't getting paid for it, Mm -hmm. which was starting to become a bit of an issue. Um, And then I was up in Portland to do Kinkfest and I randomly uh, met these wonderful people that owned their own BDSM porn site up there. And a few months later, they emailed me and said, hey, uh, we need a new marketing person. Would you ever want a job in the adult industry? Um, awesome. So I left at it. I went up and I worked on a set for one weekend. It was so much fun. I came home Monday, quit my job, packed up my car and moved to Portland. And I was a PA for hardcore BDSM and bondage porn for like a year. Amazing. Um, yeah, it was. I mean, it was the funnest job. I was just out in the woods in Oregon, like wearing 
cargo pants and Doc Martens and a black baseball cap building these crazy rigs to like walk these hot girls into. And yes, uh, it was so fun. I got to meet a ton of people that were in the porn industry in LA because we flew them up obviously to shoot. Um, so then I went to AVN and kind of got some interest from some agents and made a trip down, started shooting more mainstream porn um, mm-hmm. and then ended up moving to LA the next year. And I performed pretty much consistently up until the pandemic. I was working as a porn star. Oh, that's so fantastic. I love that. I also love that you were just like, and I'm done with this vanilla shit. Like, let's go. I was, I literally was like, think it was more money. Um, yes. I was working at one of those like car accident auto injury clinics where they basically just like scam people's insurance yes. into saying that they need like tens of thousands of dollars worth of chiropractic. Oh my God. Um, so it was like, and I was doing like records. It was like the most boring shit. All I did was like fill out and like fax things to social security. I was like, my boss was a Mm-mm. horrible bitch. I was like, I hate this so much. It was like the best day when I got to quit. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a relief to get the hell out of there. Oh yeah. Um, so one of the things that I'm really excited to hear about that you had requested was, uh, taking us through a day in the life of, of Kate Kennedy. Yeah. Um, so why don't you take us through a day in the life of Kate Kennedy. So I just woke up about 30 minutes ago. <laughs> oh, we're like here. You, we're in it. We're in it. Um, yeah, I, there's no video with this podcast, but I have no makeup on. I'm doing the rock in the oiled face, trying to keep my skincare up and slugging my coffee. Um, I'm a comedian now, so I keep very odd hours. I feel like I have to defend this to people all of the time, but it's like, even with, I mean, one of the great things about doing sex work, especially online sex work, if you're trying to pursue something like in Hollywood and entertainment, where it's really hard to have a day job and try to pursue this, because if you're up until, you know, three o'clock in the morning, working these clubs, you're not going to want to get up at 8 a.m., um, so I love that I can structure my sex work anytime I need to shoot for OnlyFans or whatever. Like I can always fit it in around everything else that I'm doing and it fits into my life. Um, especially just because, you know, most people that get to even pursue the kind of stuff I'm doing, like a lot of them have trust funds. They don't have to have jobs at all. Right. Um, exactly. So that's my long tangent of how OnlyFans is basically my trust fund. Um, <laughs> the same way. But uh, yeah, I get up uh, later. I like to sleep in. I'm a night owl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I usually wake up. I have my coffee. I, I read the news. I'm a big news junkie. Um, and I take it really easy when I first wake up. I really like to, my mom calls it hatching. And yes. like, I need to like greet the day. It takes a couple of hours. Um, mm-hmm. But then I'll, you know, especially if I have to run, I have a limited amount of time when the stores are open where I can run my errands and I'm awake. So (laughs) I I get all my life stuff out of the way first. I take care of my dog. If I have to run to the grocery store or the bank or whatever, I get all that done first. Um, And then I usually, I I think this is like the best part of being a sex worker and getting to do this, like OnlyFans online content is like, my job starts when I like take my bath. I'm like, I'm going to take a nice relaxing bubble bath. I'm going to like have a glass of wine and I'm doing this like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to smoke a joint, just totally like feel myself, you know, like feel really pretty, spend the time, do my hair, do my makeup, lay out my outfits. Um, And then I'll kind of bop around to music and shoot any customs that I might have, any content that I need for the week. I keep track of, you know, how much I need to be putting out every week. Um, but yeah, I really will just kind of bop around until it's time to make dinner. And 
then I'll chill with my dog. If I have a show that night, I'll go do my comedy show and try to in between, you know, squeeze in uh, where I can write and stuff. I'm kind of at a point where I really only shoot one day a week, which is very nice. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Cause trying to do it too much is, is really difficult. Um, and if you're efficient, you can get all your content done in a day. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. you don't have to, you know, put on lashes more than one day a week and all of that. I shave more than that. Oh, I was getting terrible ingrown hairs. I was like, this is, I cannot do this. My poor sensitive pubic area. <laughs> <I know. laughs> this is terrible. Our poor, our poor pores, really. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I've gotten very into skincare through this pandemic. So I'm really trying to like take it. You are glowing. Look. You are indeed. No one can see it, but listeners, Kate is glowing. <laughs> I recently got into like oils so I'm like trying all of these different like moisturizing grapeseed and rose hip and yeah. it's it's the jam <laughs> feeling very pampered <laughs> well so you spend quite a lot of your day alone which mm-hmm. I imagine since you're a comedian and we've talked a little bit you are hilarious spending time alone is something that you have a lot of fun with but do you find yourself feeling isolated or lonely? Um, and how do you, how do you cope with that if you do? Yeah. I mean, it's been really hard, especially the last year. Um, I live alone with my dog. I'm not a roommate's person. I'm a bad roommate. I own that. <laughs> like, I'm a terrible roommate. Um, I'm really, really picky. Like I just, oh yeah. I, I don't like other people's noise. When people touch my mm-hmm. things, I like, oh, I freak out. Mm-hmm. So I know that about myself. I need to live alone. It's okay. Um, (laughs) self-awareness is good yeah I'm like I'm one of those like dogs at the shelter where they're like this is a single dog household yeah this dog (laughs) don't yes um and uh it's been hard I mean I'm I'm lucky in the sense that I I live in this big beautiful old building in Hollywood and almost everyone that lives here is youngish they're all kind of in their late 20s to early 40s so everyone's kind of in my age range and it's a lot of artists and writers and creative people so a lot of them are home so I have a lot of friends that live right next door which is great yeah it's like the perfect blend of like adult apartment but kind of college dorm where I can just like run down and go back to my own home um so that's been really helpful I mean I'm glad I have like a good group of friends out in LA that I can you know every week there's always someone let's go to the beach let's go to the desert let's go you know um Mm -hmm. because I think we all kind of recognize that about ourselves so I'm lucky that I'm around a lot of other people that have that same struggle even if they're not sex workers um especially through the last year but it is it's hard and it can be really hard to motivate yourself it can be hard when you're not feeling sexy yes and you're like you're like I have to get this done it's it's not like writing like a report for your boss where you can just do it in sweatpants and it doesn't matter like it's I you know if you're having anything going on with your skin or your body Mm -hmm. um that is kind of impact your confidence or whatever um you know it's really hard to motivate yourself and also like because you are working for yourself. So I often joke that I'm like the worst boss I've ever had and the worst employee I've ever had to manage. I'm I'm terrible. I don't like dealing with myself on either side of that. Um, Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, you know what, you know, who's going to yell at me if I don't take these nudes today? Fucking no one. Mm -mm. I'm going to lay on my couch and eat chips with my dog and play video games all day. Like a, like a grown adult child. Um, But I do try to stay motivated. It helps to have like other people like I have like my PR person or like an editor who will, you know, because I'm very good about if someone asks me to deliver something, 
boom, I'm on it. I value other people, value and respect other people's time way more than I do my own. Right. Oh, it's such <laughs> a bitch. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. And a- accountability structures are important in order to motivate. Yeah. They're, they're so bad. I'm like working on it. I'm honestly working with my mom right now. Um, oh yeah. It's, it's been really cool. Um, you know, obviously when I first got into sex work, my parents were not thrilled um like they do yep like they do uh we we had you know a lot of spats we didn't talk for a while but they've really both made a huge effort to uh I mean we've gone to therapy all together my mom and I just started going to therapy the two of us together once a month oh that's amazing it's awesome I mean they kind of they really didn't I have very bad ADHD we talked about this earlier Mm -hmm. um they didn't understand that and it's been really cool my mom really was came out and was like you know I want to know how your brain works because clearly didn't understand it when you were little mm-hmm. and I want to help you now and I want to like repair that relationship which is so cool so I've been texting my mom and I'll be like hey today's not a great day and she'll be like well, what do you think you can accomplish today I'm like okay awesome like accountability Aww. partner very nice I love that yeah that is so great when um just to touch on the family a little bit when when you came out mm-hmm. to them how long ago was that uh, I was outed, so I didn't get the chance. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah. Um, by my cousin, who's an uh, asshole. Met you for listening to this. You're a fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> I still don't like you. I don't like you when your kids either. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, so I'm still not happy about that. But um, it was I had probably lived in LA. I think like six months, maybe. Okay. So I had been in the stuff I was doing before with like the BDSM, and even when I was living in Oregon and working there, like it, it's such niche content that when I, I dipped my toe into sex work, I didn't like dive in. I was like wading into a really cold pool. Yes. I'm like, I'm going to get down on this step and this step. Cause there really wasn't a ton of risk in that, like in terms of, Oh, someone's going to see this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not front page of Pornhub. This is really like, you would have to go look for it. Right. Um, so I was doing that for a while. And then when I started doing like more mainstream stuff and was working for like, I was like in a Pornhub banner ad, like I'm not, surprised that right. people saw it um so I was braced for that and I mean it was not a fun thing to go through um mm-hmm. with my family uh I know it caused them a lot of pain as well um and not that that's necessarily my fault but I still mm-hmm. take responsibility in terms of like I was a bit of a coward of not saying it to them I should have um we all make mistakes they've acknowledged theirs I've acknowledged mine and you know we've moved on. It's been a few years, so that's good. I love that. Yeah, I think it's a, it's hard because there's there is stigma, and and when it's dr- a bomb that is dropped, that is a, a really really hard thing to recover from. Yeah, so. it really is. Well, and it's hard for them to understand too. I think because it's, and I and I because they have that stigma and they're older, and that's kind of their generation. Like. I can see where they're coming from in terms of like, why the fuck are you doing this? Right. <laughs> you went to college. Like, you know, I'm like, I'm doing this because I, and I had this conversation with them just recently. I'm like, you know, I enjoy doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like what I do. I think there's value in what I do and what Absolutely. I've done. I was like, I don't regret, even as I've moved away from mainstream porn. And, you know, now I very much do sex work to support myself while I'm pursuing these other dreams, which I think is totally valid. Um, there's a ton of reasons why people do sex work. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I was like, you, you understand that I enjoyed it, right? Like it's a really fun job. 
Like at no point was I like, oh man, I wish I worked at McDonald's. Right. Like, yeah, no, I was having, I was like, you understand I was having a great fucking time, right? Like I was getting to fly all over and travel and meet these interesting people and get my hair done and my makeup, my nails. I was like, you know, I was like, this was super fun. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I mean, I think porn is a really fun way to spend your twenties. Yeah. It sounds amazing. (laughs) It was awesome. I was like, this is so cool. You know, and it was just an experience that I never would have had. And also it opened up so many other doors for me that wouldn't have been opened. Um, you know, I definitely never would have made it to Hollywood. I probably would have never made it out of my like small town. So yeah. Yeah. And here you are. I love it. Have you been able to find, um, like sex worker community nearby? Um, yes and no. I definitely still have a few good friends from porn that I talk to regularly. One of my best friends still, um, I didn't drive with everybody. I don't drive with everybody. I, you know, I have a smallish social circle. Mm -hmm. Um, but I definitely have, and like online as well. I mean, there's sex workers who I love and admire like their content and their activism and stuff. And it's so cool to get to have these friends. Like I have a friend in England and friends in New York and like people all over that, you know, you get to interact with on Twitter and whatever. Um, And it's nice. I do. I also try to like, I've always been someone where, you know, my DMs are always open to like new sex workers. If there's ever people that have like questions, um, I try to, like, I just cleaned out all of my like four years worth of bra and panty and lingerie sets. Oh my Um, God. I I mean, it was taking up an entire dresser in my room. I was like, this is sick, Kate. You don't (laughs) fucking need this. Like, (laughs) I I love being a grown ass woman with a dress up closet. Like I never want to not but um, this was out of hand. So I really try because I mean, a lot of that stuff is super nice. I wore it for a photo shoot and you can't, uh, especially in porn, you really can't wear something twice. Right. Um, because they've already seen you in it. They've taken pictures. People will get confused. So um, I try to go through and I mean, I bag everything up. Everything is clean and in great condition. And I usually do like a giveaway on Twitter where I'll just say like, hey, if you know a sex worker that's just starting out or struggling, really needs this kind of stuff, like let them know and I'll pass along. I've done that with lights and cameras and, you know, anything that I have that's still, I love that kind of mutual aid amongst sex workers. So I just try to support that. Oh, that's so cool. It's such a, it's a good thing to do just because there are times where people just need the equipment to like advance a little bit and you can just boost their, their stuff with that. That's great. I love that you do that. And this, I mean, it's not like there's so many different ways to do it. It's not super high overhead to get into this industry. There's not like a ton of like access barrier, which is I think part of what makes sex work so powerful. Absolutely. Um, Because it's really a way for like, especially women uh, to really change their financial status um, without those high barriers. But, um, but I mean, it does add up over the years. I mean, and I'm lucky that I have like great fans that will send me free gifts all of the time. Like I really don't have to buy as much, but I know that there's a lot of people that I love and like really are great, wonderful people that don't have that privilege. So I try to like pass it on whenever. Cause you know, it adds up. I mean, you go from like one ring light in the corner of your room to all of a sudden you're like, do I need to rent studio space? I need more closet. I, I live in an apartment with three walk-in closets, like, and they're all important. Oh my God. <laughs> It's part of why I chose this apartment. They were like, I was like, uh, someone came in like, who would need three walk-in closets? I was like, this bitch. <laughs> this one. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Having, having that many like costumes and dress up, like things to get dressed up in. It was always a dream. It's, oh, it's so fun. fun. I love it. 
Ugh. like all the sparkles the crazy shoes because you were a stripper too right oh yeah said, oh my god I love like it's just so much fun I remember when I was a little kid I really wanted light up sneakers oh my god I wanted so bad and my mom was very anti-light up sneakers did not let me have them I would look at them at Payless every time we'd go back to school I wore them so bad and then I became a stripper and I bought clear plastic light up stripper heels yes <laughs> <laughs> and I wore up. Oh my God. I was so happy. They broke immediately. Like they were, of course, I mean, I understand what she was talking about now where she was like, these aren't going to last. This is yeah. not a, you know, this is not a smart purchase. Um, but I'm so glad I bought them. That's amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pivot a little bit into stand-up comedy. Um, how did you get started in stand-up comedy? So my first anal scene got canceled. Um, <laughs> interesting short, start. I love that short version. So I had done, um, cause I was living in LA and I'd started doing uh, a lot of podcasts. Cause I mean, there's everyone has podcasts. I'm pretty sure if you live here longer than a year and you don't have one, they kick you out. Um, but, uh, I'd started doing just like various adult industry ones. And I had done one for this guy and I was doing, um, improv at second city here in Hollywood. So I was already, I was, I always knew I wanted to do comedy. I was like, I wanted to be a writer um I wanted to get into that as much as I could and I had kind of started hanging out with more of those people um and I did this one podcast for this guy we finished and he's like hey you know you're really funny and I know you want to try stand-up um if you can write five minutes you can open my show at the comedy store in Hollywood and I was like I yes I would love to do that that sounds amazing um so I'm really excited and then not even like a week later I get a call from my agent um that they had just sold my first anal scene which (laughs) we had been working on for months. Like it, we sold it because you try to, if you're established enough, it's really hard to sell any kind of first for a premium anymore. Mm. Um, there's just so many, it's a super competitive industry. It's just flooded with people. There's tons of talent. So it's hard to do. Um, and we'd been working on it for months. I'd gone on go and taking pictures and we wanted to sell it to this one company. That's like a little higher end. And so they I get the call. They finally, they bought it. Awesome. It's the day after the comedy show. Oh my God. Like, okay, I can't be up until two, three o'clock in the morning drinking and telling jokes to people um, and then go do an anal scene. Like that's irresponsible. I yeah. Can't so I had to call him and I was like, hey man, I'm so sorry. I'd love to do it another time, but this obviously this came up and it's a lot of money. So, and he was very understanding. So cut to the scene was supposed to be on a Sunday and the mm-hmm. show was Saturday night. It was a Thursday. And I got a call from my agent who told me that the director had called him and said that that was a mistake that he didn't think I was pretty enough to be on his website and he didn't like my face rude yeah which like also my face was maybe like not the focal point of that right Right. (laughs) um I don't know I have a really nice bowl um did you see that so I mean I'm freaking out right because it's like the end of the month I just lost $2,500 um which was my rent and I mean, I'm just, you know, and I, I think to my credit, like this is very much the kind of person I am where when something really bad happens to me, like I will kick and scream about it for about 10, 15 minutes. And then I'll mm-hmm. instantly jump into, okay, where do we go from here? Yep. How do we, and typically I found that when really bad things happen to me in my life, like not getting a job after college or having <laughs> my first anal scene canceled, it tends to open up some door that I haven't seen before. And yes. it ends up being one of the best things that happens in my life. Um, so I called my buddy back and I was like, Hey, can I still do your show on Saturday night? And he's like, yeah, of course. So at that point I had 24 hours to learn how to write stand-up comedy. 
Oh my God. <laughs> go write a five minute set and go open for Jamie Kennedy at the comedy store on a Saturday night. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. It was the craziest 24 hours. I mean, I drank a bottle of wine. I cried. I called my mom, um, <laughs> <laughs> like took a shower and like made coffee. I brewed this like coffee in like a thermos. I had my, I have it still. I, I found it the other day. I typed my entire set out like paragraph form, which you never do. No. <laughs> um, I typed the whole thing out like a fucking essay and like had it in the back of my Uber coming from the valley over the hill. And I'm like shaking, like trying to drink this coffee. And I ran my set by my Uber driver like five times. Oh my God. Um, I typed it so well after that. Um, <laughs> but I went up and I did it and I actually did really well, um, which was awesome. And they had me back on that show for another like six months. Oh, and awesome. that kind of just took off from there. I started going to more mics. I started getting booked on other shows. I started doing more podcasts and like kind of started to establish this nice little career for myself. And then when the pandemic kind of started to happen, I was already 2020 kind of had it in my mind where I was like, I'm going to start phasing out regular mainstream porn. OnlyFans is doing really well. I'm now in a position where I can work for myself and just go pursue comedy and put everything into this. So it worked out really well. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> just It's always those times where you're like, you feel like everything is lost and then all of a sudden things really turn around. Yeah. And taking a risk. Like <laughs> you didn't have to call him back to be like, Hey, can I be on your show? But you did. Yeah. Oh, I amazing. wanted to so bad. I was like, this is such a great. And also if there's anything I've learned about like living in LA, especially is that like opportunities don't usually happen twice. Right. Like, if someone gives you something you want it, you got to jump on it. You got to take it. Um, absolutely and even if it doesn't work out at least you don't feel like you missed it you know yes like yeah, yeah. like I think the worst thing I would do would be like oh I'll go humiliate myself on a Saturday night and then I'll never have to talk to anyone again <laughs> right, right right like it doesn't it doesn't you know I think as, especially as you get older and stuff too you just realize you're like oh there's not I'm gonna feel so much worse if I wonder what would have happened rather than just try it. Or maybe that's just who I am as a person. I obviously jump into everything. Totally. I mean, I, I relate to that too, though. And it's like, I, I know I will remember it if I totally bomb, but pretty much everyone else in that room will forget about it within a day or two. That's something I tell myself all of the time where mm -hmm. it's like nobody, and it's such a true statement in like uh, stand up, especially is that like, no one is thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. Exactly. Cause we're like, all a little narcissistic in that way. Like we're all thinking about ourselves. Yeah. yeah. It's no one's going to remember. And like, and also when you do well, it's like, oh, it's such a good feeling. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best feeling in the world. So it's like, you know, you, and also there's times too, like, cause I, I mean, I've definitely had shows that didn't go the way I wanted them to. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also don't really remember those parts. Even if I have a really bad show, I'll remember the one or two laughs that I got. Right. Like those stick in your brain. Cause those feel so much the, the good so far outweighs the bad, mm -hmm. but that's what you remember and hold on to. And then you just go and try again the next night. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. It's all information. It is. Yeah. Who, oh, what's that? Go ahead. Oh, it's all learning. It's all learning. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, who, who's your biggest inspiration when it comes to comedy? Like who's someone you model after or look up to? I try not to model after anyone, mm -hmm. um, especially because, and that's like a very big like pitfall for new comics is if you really like certain people's style and you watch a lot of their stuff, you end up doing just like a bad impression of them. Yes. <laughs> um, so I, and also like, I mean, a lot of my material is about sex work and it's about my experiences. So it is like a little bit more 
unique than just, you know, someone else's. Um, but I mean, it's cool getting to be here and especially like the comedy store, which is my favorite place is that if you're a comedian there um, and they know you, you can go for free any night that you want. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, I go right now. I still go. But when I first started, I would go every single fucking night and I would just sit in the back and you're just watching like Bill Burr, Whitney Cummings, Dave Chappelle, like every fucking oh night you're going to watch people work through stuff and you're learning so much. And you're like, oh, because you're watching them develop their own material. That's where they go yeah. to go develop. So like, I remember watching like one of my favorite jokes that like taught me a lot about how to write jokes was watching uh, Neil Brennan, who was one of the writers for Chappelle's show. He's a really funny guy. He's a bunch of great specials, but um, I was watching him do this joke and it was over like a couple of months. I saw him do this joke like once a week. And like from the first time he started it to the last time he did it, it, you would see him change one or two things each week and it would get yeah. better and better and better. And you'd be like, oh, I see what he's, you're watching the process. Oh. And to me, that is so more, it was so valuable. Cause like watching just a special that someone does, like that's, you know, they say your first special is 10 years of work. It's the accumulation of 10 years of doing wow. stand up. And so you're watching like the perfect polished finished product, which is beautiful and great, but you can't really learn from that. That's like looking at like a Kia Sorento and trying to figure out how an engine works. Exactly. <laughs> done. Like you, I, I want to see them put it together. Um, so that's been so great. So I guess like just everyone who's involved in that place. And it's been such a great, like kind of home away from home for me, um, coming here and, you know, being in a big city by yourself and just, I mean, it's where I've met most of my friends to this day and just been a really supportive, wonderful place for, for me. It's the only place that I love so much that I also have reoccurring nightmares about. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. I, I love that it's, a. Uh a focus on the process, like that place can be a focus on the process rather than the product. Um, as I'm, I've been working on a zine and I'm just really seeing myself get caught up in the product. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I love hearing the, like being able to witness someone else's process as an inspiration is really cool. It's really cool. I mean, and that's the whole kind of, um, ethos of that place. It does kind of feel like being in like grad school. Cool. You're just there and you're just working and you're learning. Um, and that's what it's for as opposed to just, you know, and like, obviously there's crowds, there's tourists. It's a famous place. People love to come there, yeah. um, which is wonderful. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, the idea is that it's really a place where you can go to learn because there's nothing else like that. There's just big clubs and shows and it's trial by fire. You learn, they throw you in the pool and you drown or you swim. So it's Thank nice you. to have a place like that. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, one of the things that you one of your pieces I suppose it could be called is the the Kennedy assassination would you would you tell our listeners a bit about the genesis of the Kennedy assassination and just like your experience with it so the Kennedy assassination was my first time doing my own podcast um I learned a lot I did it last summer uh, I was in lockdown with everybody. Um, that's my inside by Bo Burnham. <laughs> it is not nearly <laughs> as good, but that's what I accomplished. Um, I, uh, I was doing a bunch of others. I was like regularly on certain podcasts at that point. So I was like, all right, I really got to go figure out to do my own. And I have always been fascinated. I read all of the comments on everything I ever do. I don't know if this is like narcissism or just, I'm just genuinely interested. Um, I do the same thing. <laughs> Some people, people are so black and white on this. It's a very polarizing thing because there are certain people that are like, never look at the comments, never read them, never even look. I'm like, don't you want to know? 
<laughs> don't in the middle of the night don't you just kind of like I wonder what they think I know I, I think it's a little masochistic just oh just, it's just yeah very masochistic and yeah. um and I yeah I'm a huge masochist um I think that's like my tagline on like a couple of my different nice. <laughs> um, yeah uh but um yeah professional masochist I think is my Instagram bio um Love but it. Uh, I mean I just would look at the comments that I would get on my porn and then on other stuff I was doing like uh podcasts and stuff and like I don't get a lot of hate I really am lucky I don't I really don't get a lot of super mean dms or anything like that but I get weird ones people people are very critical of like certain things that I have, would never have thought to be critical of myself about and I was like going through these comments and like one was just like she's like Ted Bundy with great tits what okay, first of all that's hilarious um that's a great line I, there that was could a be whole, your Instagram right. tagline I think it was for a while <laughs> Um, cause it was like, so funny. And I would just get, there was a, a short, I did Dr. Drew. And then there was a short period of time where a lot of people on the internet were convinced I was like a sociopath, which was really interesting. Oh my God. To deal with. Um, but I was just getting all these like super weird comments and I was like, okay, I want to talk to these people. And also even like the mean ones, I'm like, I'm fascinated by the psychology of like, mm-hmm. what would bring you to do that to yes. someone on the internet? Why would you say that? Why do you think like, I'm just really interested in it. So, and obviously my name is Kate Kennedy. So the Kennedy assassination. Yes. Great fucking name for a podcast. Um, yes. <laughs> very easy imagery. I bought a Jackie O costume. I was like, this is great. Amazing. Um, super easy. I'm actually repurposing into a stripper outfit right now. Um, Hell yes. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I just, I mean, it got really crazy because it was a few weeks last summer where I was just emailing or f- trying to figure out a way to contact every single person that had ever left a mean comment about me. <laughs> Oh on like YouTube, on Pornhub I'm like sliding into all of these DMs like will you be on my podcast will you be on my podcast um it worked out really well it turns out that's a great thing to say to a troll um, oh yeah will you <laughs> will you please speak more about this yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you're a fat bitch and you're dumb and you're ugly blah blah, blah. And like, oh my god will you be on my podcast and discuss this with me um they don't like it so I I did get a few takers um and I would just record with them um a couple of them were really funny uh I had to learn everything about that and I did not have this studio set up at the time so I really had to go figure out like how to set like how to book these people and how to edit the audio and how to publish it turned out to be a lot of work so so uh, much work (laughs) it's so much work and we and it was just me doing it alone um and I was like, okay, this is a ton. And also eventually I think they caught on to what I was doing and then nobody wanted to be on my podcast. <laughs> I would, I started getting a lot of messages from dudes where they're like, I'll pretend to be mean to you. I'm like, that's not the point. Like you're Damn it. missing the fundamental reason behind this. So, uh, but it was a great experience. I do two other podcasts now, um, but just doing that one by myself, I learned a ton. It was really fun. If there's ever a chance to like bring it back someday in some way I would like to do it but it was a great little project it's still up everywhere if anyone wants to go uh listen to it it's on like iTunes and Spotify and everything and it's just the Kennedy assassination amazing it will be linked in the show notes for sure um yeah I I love that the psychology of stuff like that is really fascinating I'm a little bummed you didn't get to continue and like explore that more but I hope you get to later (laughs) thank you I hope so too if you guys are going to go listen I recommend the episode dick pick dentist I think that's my favorite one. It's rather short, but um, it's this guy and uh, he is a dentist and was sending me dick pics from his office 
Oh my God. And I was like, do you understand why you shouldn't do that? He's like, well, I just think you're really pretty. And I was like, do you, and it's just me like bat. You can hear me like bashing my head against the desk. Oh my God. Um, that's yeah. amazing. So that well, was one. I will definitely be going to listen to that one. And speaking of your other two podcasts, let us please talk about those. Um, I know you are a co-host of Cam Girl Chronicles. I am and the then host of Cam Girl Chronicles. You're the, the host. host. Mm-hmm. Got it. And the co the co-host of Two Girls One Mike, the porn yes. cast, which the title of that is impeccable. It's so great. Um, it's my friend Alice's show. Uh, she started. She had another co-host, and I guested on it several times. Um, and then for personal reasons, her other co-host had to bow out. Um, Got it. Last year, I believe, or early this year. And uh, so she hit me up and was like, hey, do you want to do this with me? And I was like, uh, yes. Also, because Alice is like, we're very good friends. She's one of my best friends. Um, she's we're very, very different. She's super type A. Like if you have a business idea and you tell it to her, she will come back in a week with like a color coded binder of everything you need to do. Oh, my God. Yes. And is like super <laughs> into patent law. <laughs> we're not here to say. We need people like that, like yes. us creative people. We need people like that. Um, so her and I work wonderfully together and, uh, we, yeah, we, so we interview, uh, different people from the adult industry, different porn performers. We also do have on like comics and academics. We've had lawyers. Uh, we have an episode coming up where we're interviewing a furry, oh, um, yes. to learn more about that subculture. So usually when we have, uh, comedians on the show, um, and it's, pretty split between she books all the guests also so I really just have to show up and be charming that's, that's my lovely. Ideal, that's my ideal job um <laughs> but uh she uh so normally we watch porno parodies uh for the plot so we skip all of the sex parts and we just watch like we've done Kill Bill uh we did the Big Bang Theory oh my god yeah like Harry Potter so it's super funny we like go in and we just watch all of the acting um and then we compare it to whatever it's parodying we you know like the yes. Kill Bill one was like a lovely little homage to Tarantino like it was it was good I was like invested like awesome. it's different than regular <laughs> Kill Bill but I was like I want to know what happens to these characters like this is this is good so yeah they're really it's a fu- it's a really fun show to do I love getting to do it with her Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And then I- Cam Girl Chronicles uh, is one that they, and I actually got through Alice as well, um, but nice. I do it with a studio in New York. Uh, it's for I'm Live, uh, which is a really cool cam website. And I interview cam girls from all over the world about their jobs and their lives and what sex work is like, especially in other countries. It's super cool. Like uh, the two most like emerging cam markets right now are Romania and Colombia. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I talked to a lot of girls from Romania. I've talked to a lot from Colombia, um, some from the U.S., but it's super fascinating. I mean, I think even as a sex worker, uh, as like an American sex worker, we sort of do have like a bit of a Western perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's amazing how much stigma even I still had that I kind of had to check about, especially Eastern European sex workers. Um, right. there, yeah, there is such a stereotype of like these women must be trafficked. Like I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I thought that, but I, I did. I was, you know, and I joke too. Like, there's always one Russian girl at a strip at the strip club, and she's right. not the girl you want to cross. Truth. She's always <laughs> super hot. She's like six feet tall, blonde. Her name is usually Svetlana, and she will fuck you up. Um, <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's fascinating. It's super interesting how, especially in these like former like Eastern Bloc countries, like they're attitude towards sex work is so different because a lot of these girls like they women I should say like they support their families like their parents 
you know, it lets them make a really good living um, Mm -hmm. on a very flexible schedule. I mean, the same things that appeal to us about sex work. Um, And it's so cool. I mean, they work out of these gorgeous studios in like Bucharest where they're have they like they're on a sound stage. They have like handlers that have all of the AV equipment and these it looks like a Vegas hotel. I mean it looks oh like you're like Aria, the Cosmo, it's gorgeous. And like they have like a commissary and a nail tech and a makeup lady. Oh my god. They gosh. like go to work. Like they they drive to work and they go to work. And it's just it's so different than the way it is in the US and it's super fast. I'm like dying to go visit now. We just we wrapped up the first season. We're hopefully going to get started on the second coming up here soon. Um, and I'm, we said for the third season, we really want to go over to Romania and go meet these girls in person. Cause they're oh, just, yes. and they're so funny. Like they're, I mean, some of the stories we've heard have just been absolutely hilarious. Like they're so sweet. Like they're just, I'm like, oh my God, like I want to be friends with all of you. And of course they're all fucking gorgeous. Oh yeah. Um, so it's like, yeah. And because of the time difference, I usually have to be up at like 5.00 AM to do that show. Wow. And I'm talking to this like absolutely stunning, like 22 year old on the other side of the world. And I'm like, good morning. And <laughs> welcome to Can Girl Chronicles. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. I also, I love that you acknowledge the like, even though we are sex workers, we still have some internalized stigma and assumptions and all these things. I think that, um, that that's something really important to acknowledge in the fight for sex workers' rights is that like, we all carry this internalized stigma um, mm-hmm. and that can come out in certain generalizations or assumptions made about other sex workers. Yeah. Um, and about ourselves, honestly. Oh, totally. I mean, the hierarchy is very real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had, I had a great like sociology professor tell me this one time that I think is so true about everything is that, you know, we all have internal bias, mm-hmm. but bias is really just the lens through which you view the world. And that lens is manipulated by your own experiences And it's fine to have those because it's part of your perspective. It's part of how you see, but you have to be aware that the lens that you're viewing the world from is not the way everyone else is viewing the world and it's not necessarily correct. And so it's just very interesting to get to like broaden your horizon that way. And like, it's been just such a cool project to work on. Like I don't think that was the intent of them wanting to do a podcast because they really came to this production studio, the guys that own I'm live and Mm -hmm. wanted to you know, a lot of cam studios and OnlyFans and stuff are trying to branch out more into safe for work, like lifestyle content as well. Yes. Um, and kind of blurring the lines, which I actually think is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but they really want, they're like, you know, let's do like a safe for work, like comedy podcast. And I'm like, this is breaking down stigma. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Um, but I also get to write a bunch of like super fun jokes for it. And it's been really cool. Cause I've really gotten to work with like these professional producers that like make radio um mm-hmm. and learned how to like structure a season arc and how to structure like an episode and you know they send me like the outline of it's this interview and this and that and then I write in all of like these bridge jokes and punchlines and different segments and I've gotten to like come up we did one where we we're announcing like the top girls on their site because they're you know they rank enters like the number one earner or whatever yeah. and we did it like a horse jockey announcer oh my god yes I, got to, I was like watching I watched like hours of like vintage like old school like horse jockey announcer races I'm like and coming into the turn is they're pulling up ahead by a mile and I was, 
it was so much fun to do so I've just gotten to do like all sorts of stuff like that which is just uh, play games and there's contests and it's just been really cool to like learn all of I feel like I've learned so much from doing that which has been yeah. awesome oh that's so dreamy I love that so much <laughs> very worth getting up at 5 a.m I grumble about it to my producer all the time because she's always on the calls with me she's like how are you doing Kate I'm like got my coffee <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, 5 a.m. is early, but that does that sounds wonderful. Um, there, speaking of OnlyFans, kind of changing the way we do, like the adult industry has has been working. Um, you got featured in Men's Health talking about your your ideas around OnlyFans and how it's changed the adult business. Would you share a little bit about that, like what you shared with Men's Health, and just your your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, first of all, and I say this to every sex worker, if um, any magazine or like media mainstream person comes and asks you for a quote about something, fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Think about how it's going to come out because they will occasionally. I've had one or two where I gave an interview and I'm like, that's not really what I meant. Um, yeah. So, you know, think it out. Maybe take a little bit of like PR 101 um maybe steps but uh I mean that kind of uh exposure in like those kinds of publications because I've been in like men's health and playboy and the new york post and like all of these different and it's just that reach is invaluable for your brand so I just want to get that out first and also like because I also write like I write for hustler and so I will put out like open calls on twitter of like I need to talk to sex workers that are involved in blah 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 and like, it's like pulling fucking teeth. And I'm like, do you guys know how valuable it is to have your name in one of these? Like yes. you get, every time I'm in one, I get a ton of new OnlyFans subscribers. Like all of my like socials jump, like just answer my fucking emails, guys. <laughs> Please <laughs> Give me quotes for my stories. Do it for everyone else too. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, OnlyFans is so interesting because I think the adult industry tends to be like a couple years ahead of where mainstream content and entertainment is anyways. I mean, that's why they had CES, like the consumer electronics show right before AVN for so long, because even they like mainstream knew this too. Mm-hmm. Um, is that even back in the days of like VHS, you know, we were transitioning to DVD and now it's like the VR and there's all these new tech frontiers um, and the ways we use technology and adult is always on the cusp of that, like on the forefront. So um you know, I, even from when I had first gotten in, I joined OnlyFans in 2017. So I've been on it for a long a minute, time. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really different, but there already was such a push of, you know, and I think it was more focused back then on like a lot of clip sites um, and like cancers kind of stuff like that. It wasn't, we weren't going all in on the subscription model like we have now, um, which I do think works so fucking well, oh, yeah. but um, it was already this push towards, we want to own our content. We want to make our own money. We want to shoot what we want to do. And so from day one, when I got into the adult industry, everyone was pushing me like, you got to shoot your own content. If you're not on set that day, you know, go shoot your own stuff. So, um, and I remember the first couple of years I was on OnlyFans. I mean, a good month, I would make like three or $400. Right. <laughs> it was yep, not making yep. a lot of money. I mean, it was paying like my car payment. It would, you know, pay for a couple of things, but um, it bill obviously make a lot more than that now. Um, but it's the ability, it's really put that power for us to be able to make our own money on our own schedule shooting what we want with who we want um in the hands of the performers which is really cool i mean even people that have gone back to shooting professional porn especially post pandemic are very open about saying i don't really care about the check i'm getting today this is yeah. promo 
if people see me on browsers or on Naughty America, they're going to want to go subscribe to my OnlyFans. Yep. Because they're going to think I'm hot. So this is really just a way to get my name out there, um, which is fascinating because then you're not, you don't have an industry full of people that are so dependent on booking this work. They can just go make their own product. Um, and I think both mainstream and adult have really gotten into that between like Patreon and OnlyFans and everything. I mean, everybody is monetizing their own stuff now, which is really cool. Um, it is, I mean, it's, it's different. Like it's, I, I joked, especially the beginning of the pandemic too. Cause, and I still get people that say this once in a while, um, where they're like, oh, you do. And it's usually like other comics, people that are just like a little jealous, uh-huh. but they're like, oh, you just, all you have to do is take nudes. Like all you have to do is like, your job is so easy. It's like, I can't, uh, I can't. I, <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, no, I mean, it, there are definite pros to it, but I'm like, you, like, we basically got thrown into the position of like, when I was doing professional porn, I only had to be on set like three days a month to pay all of my bills. Right. And the rest, the other 27 days I could fuck off and do whatever I wanted. Now I'm in a position of having to like write, shoot, direct, star in and edit a porno by myself every week. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't sign up for those other jobs. I just wanted to have sex and look pretty. <laughs> and those were the parts that I was interested in. Yes. And all of a sudden I'm like, it's two in the morning and I'm trying to fucking learn final cut. And I don't want to do that. Yes. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it has like increased our workload, but I also think just like for performers, because more and more, I mean, if you're trying to get someone to subscribe to your OnlyFans, it's not just like, the same motivation of someone just clicking onto Pornhub, right? Mm-hmm. They're there for you. You're really trying to build this like kind of cult of personality and this personal brand. Um, and it's much more akin to like how an influencer um, builds up their fan base than necessarily like how a porn star goes to work. Um, so even though they're related, it's a very different job. Yes. And the like, all you have to do is take nudes thing is like that argument there is the 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 kicker for me where it's like there's so much more emotional labor involved in like getting people compelled to follow you and get invested in what you've got going on like it's a lot more than posting a few nudes here and there it's so much and well because you have to like there's a million hot girls on the internet like and i tell people this every day i'm like if you want to play the game of who's the hottest girl on the internet who has the biggest tits, who has the nicest ass, fine, feel free. You're going to lose. You are always going to lose. There's always going to be somebody out there that has a better body, a prettier face. Like it's, you cannot win that game. So you have to go really into yourself and be like, what is so compelling about me? What is so interesting? What is going, you're really trying to make these people fall in love with you. Exactly. And like (laughs) that is a whole, I mean, psychologically, that is like a huge leap to make as a person and to try to keep yourself balanced between who am I and who is my brand? Because there's a very fine line between brand authenticity, which I care about a lot mm-hmm. and mental health. Yes. <laughs> I, I, my brand is very much who I am. I like try to think of it as like the best parts of me, yeah. like the, the best, my, me on my best day at my prettiest, at my most bubbly, sparkly, whatever. Um, but that's not me every day. Right. And so having to allow yourself and also even allowing yourself to just like go have fun and live like a normal person. Like, I can't tell you every time I take a trip anywhere, even when it's like for fun, I'm so tempted. If I'm in like a pretty place, I'm like, we got to shoot content. We got to shoot. Con-. Like, yep. it's always no matter what I'm doing, if I'm like 
redoing, I was redoing a bunch of like home improvement projects this summer. And I was like, I need to do this in my underwear and I need to film it. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I just step back and be like, just do this because you like it. It's okay. Like I just went on a trip and I very purposely took absolutely no pictures and it was so relaxing. It's so important. It's, yeah. you have to have boundaries. You, mm-hmm. Even if like it's a perfect opportunity, sometimes you just have to really hold your boundaries. Well, and it's a job that you can work. The, the great thing about it is you can make your own schedule. That also means that you can theoretically be working anytime. So there are days when like, I will wrap up a whole day of getting all this stuff done. And I'm sitting on my couch and I'm like, I could be doing more work right now. I could be doing this. I could be doing that. I could be shooting. I could be editing. I could be coming up with this. I could be scheduling content for next month. And like, it's so hard to not, at least for me, like, I mean, I'll just mentally beat the shit out of myself being like why are you so lazy and it's like no. oh my god <laughs> no one works that much like just relax but you know it's you don't have an office to go to you don't have a boss saying this is due x day yep. really how much you make how big you get like that's all in your own hands um so having to balance that and be healthy with it that's been a huge journey for me this year especially yes yeah. oh, I love that it's especially with the ADHD thing too because it's something I also wrestle with like I have to I keep a list of what I have to do today. And I will add things that I've done and cross things off. And it is as evidence that I have not been a lazy piece of shit that day. Cause at the end of the day, no matter how much I've gotten done, I just sit down and I'm like, I could be doing something like exactly that thought. I do exactly the same thing. Sometimes I write things down just to cross them off. Yes. Because I need the evidence that I'm like, Oh no, you did that. That was a lot of work. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. cute. Yeah. It's, it's terrible. It's like, it's a very frustrating, again, I'm like such a terrible person to like manage and work for. (laughs) I hate working for myself. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm like, I'm so mean to me, but yeah, I've really been really trying. And also like, I think if you get so far into that mentality, you forget what you liked about the job in the first place. Yes. Which was that I don't have to work all of the time. That, and we need that like breathing room to feed our creativity. Like there's no way, like all of those outfits in your closets are going to inspire you unless you take time away from everything and come back to it. Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, there's, you know, like you need that time to just write or do hobbies. Like, I mean, that's a big thing too. I think, and that extends even beyond sex work, but um, that's a huge thing in Hollywood. I say this to my friends all the time. I'm like, it's okay to just have a hobby that you don't make money off of. Yes. Like you can just do this because you like it and you don't need to like, I'll start like sewing. I sew. So I'll be like doing a sewing project. I'm like, I should do an Etsy store. I'm like, no, you <laughs> shouldn't. Like, oh, what? No, you're going to ruin. You're just ruining everything that you love by making it work. Like I used to love taking nudes when I was like 19, 20. Yes. I wasn't selling them. I was just doing them because I looked hot and I was like into it. I used to post them on Tumblr for free because I liked the attention. I'm like, where is yes. that girl? Like, <laughs> that's the energy. And now you're just like, fuck, now I got to go do the thing. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb I'm like just so that's I mean that's part of what we're talking about earlier um with like the day in the life I mean that is part of why I am so frou-frou about my whole like shooting routine where I'm like I'm gonna take a bath and have a glass of wine like yes the music I like I really try to make it like fun sexy me time so that it doesn't feel like work um because you know I, I, I don't want it to feel like work to feel like work and it shouldn't feel like work right like I'm getting dressed up I look pretty I'm getting to take these great pictures you know I look through my phone I'm like that's me 
(laughs) great um you know that should that should be fun fuck yeah yeah and I got into it because I like it it should be it's the same with comedy there's so many people that are like as a comedian you should be miserable all the time and just in this depth pit of despair and I'm like how is that working out for you uh because I tried that and it sucked I I didn't like any of it um I write a lot better when I'm happy absolutely yeah Yeah. we don't need to be miserable to be artists that is a fact you don't need to be starving to be an artist you cannot eat well and get an adequate amount of sleep yes let us abolish that myth right now because abundance and artistry can happen at the same time Yes, absolutely. Honestly, good art usually does. When I'm super depressed, like, I mean, Shakespeare wrote King Lear during quarantine. That's not widely not considered his best play. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I had a joke for a while where I was like, if he had written Titus Andronicus during the plague, like this would be a much different conversation and girl bosses <laughs> would not be. <laughs> and so I was like that's a really specific joke and I was like I know I love it I'm here I for love it. writing jokes that are only funny to like five people it's the best kind because you're just oh, like yeah. I know you're my people it's my first one I ever wrote and I still do it occasionally just when I'm feeling kind of shitty um but it was uh do you guys think that Salman Rushdie was mad that he had to write the entire satanic verses in order to get a fatwa declared against him when all Mia Khalifa had to do was suck dick in a hijab. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. I, and like people who get that joke really get it, but you really, you're coming from two very, two very different people, most known for having fought wilds declared against them. Oh yeah. Super different reasons, but you really have to know both of those people. For that yes. Joke. You really have to get it. You have to be up with it. There's yeah. on my booking form, just to kind of like get a vibe for who's, who's, wanting to see me there's one question that is what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow and the answer to that question really tells me a lot about the person and I love it I know the answer to that question it is a uh Monty Python in the Holy Grail or Monty Python yeah okay I should know that I miss those a lot it's okay I haven't seen it in years but I was just I thought I'd be cheeky and it's been fun seeing how people answer that one. <laughs> oh yeah totally that's I think that's a great thing to have on like your booking form that's a good you know. one yeah it's always good to know who you're dealing with exactly yeah it's a good vibe check oh yeah absolutely yeah if I yeah if people don't like get my jokes I'm instantly just kind of like okay like <laughs> well, um, go do you but clearly we have nothing in common that's fine <laughs> exactly yeah. Um, is there anything that you are currently working on that you would like to plug on the show? Um, yeah, I mean, those podcasts, um, go listen to them. You can find them anywhere. Um, I have some cool writing stuff coming up here. They can't really talk about just yet. I have a bunch of stuff coming up, but I can't really talk about any of it. Um, oh. I hate it. I'm such a bad secret keeper too. I'm, I'm so bad at it. Um, I really just tell people I'm like don't tell me what it is until you're ready to like let everyone know because I'm I'm just so bad um (laughs) I've I've tried to get better um you're doing uh, great right now thank you yeah I'm so tempted I'm like really excited about these things (laughs) uh I mean just follow my Twitter um if follow me on Twitter that's always where the updates come from I do have uh I'm back to future dancing now I can talk about that um which I love future dancing is just uh, it's the best job it's so much fun it is like the closest to being a drag queen you can be as a woman, uh, which is my yes. favorite. 
Yes. I mean, day to day I'm in sweats and ponytail and I, you know, but I like to dress up and that is just, because it's not like being a house dancer. Like mm-hmm. the costumes are over the top. I mean, when I started, they were like, you have to buy a bedazzler. Like my agent was like, you have to go buy a bedazzler. And I was like, oh, yank my arm. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to wear this right fucking now. Cause everything yes. is super sparkly. Um, the shoes, the hair, it's just so over the top. It's really, really fun. You get to pick all your own music. You know, you get to travel. Like prior to the pandemic, I would be in like New York every other month and mm. Vegas and like Sacramento, Atlanta, Chicago, Philly, like, and they fly you out. You get to stay at nice hotels. They pick you up in a limo, oh, like you have a dressing room, even assistant. I'm always like, I am not this important. <laughs> Very weird. You guys are treating me like the first time I went to Vegas and they had my face on the poster. I like made the driver get out. And I was like, can you take a picture of me next to it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, so thumbs up super dorky um but yeah i'm back to doing that so i have three dates in sacramento uh in september september uh 8th through 11th i believe uh 8th through 10th yeah Um, it'll be on my twitter but yeah i'm at the gold club so i'm really excited i have to go bedazzle a sacramento kings jersey after this um yeah yeah uh so yeah so i'm back to that so hopefully i'll be in more cities coming up here um and yeah just keep an eye on my on my twitter and yeah things are happening Awesome. And then is there anything as kind of a final question before we get into some rapid fire? What is what is one thing you wish the greater public would understand about sex workers or sex work as a whole? Oh, man. So many things. Um, I know. (laughs) I think the biggest thing is like we're just people Mm -hmm. like we're normal people with a fascinating job. Um, You know, we're everyone has different motivations. getting into sex work they're all valid um Mm -hmm. everyone has different experiences i think that's a big one because a lot of times even in like the media i see people interviewing these like sex workers about different topics and i'm like i know that person and they don't do that like they're talking about you know like we don't all have i i can only speak to my own experiences right Mm -hmm. i did mainstream porn i did high-end escorting I was a dancer very briefly and I do OnlyFans. Like, I don't know what it's like to be a cam girl on MFC. You know, I don't, I don't know what it's like to do that. I don't know what it's like to be a street sex worker. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't have those experiences. So I can only speak to my own. Um, and, and as we all can, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that we're, we're just people. If you don't think that, you know, a sex worker, you do, they're just not comfortable enough to tell you. Everybody knows the sex worker. Um, And a lot of people do this for, I guess, again, people do this for so many different reasons. Um, People do it because they like it. People do it to escape poverty. People do it to put themselves through med school. Um, I really think our society, class mobility is at its lowest point since like 1880 in our society today. It's almost impossible if you're not born into money to achieve even like comfortable middle-class life. Um, And sex work is one of the only industries where predominantly women are able to make those big financial gains without super high barriers of entry. And that is really important from like an economic and social standpoint. And I think that that needs to be talked about more. I agree. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Love that. There's like five things I think everyone should know. (laughs) I think, I think that'll just like all end up in the show notes. I'm just going to like transcript that one because that was really lovely. All right, we're going to get into some rapid fire questions. The point of these is to just kind of get to know you as a person a little bit more um, on like a silly level. 
Um, are you ready? I'm ready. Excellent. Pancakes or waffles? Waffles. Salty or sweet? Salty. Hiking or swimming? Oh, swimming. I fucking hate hiking. (laughs) Okay. Follow up ocean or lake? Uh, lake. Cause I don't fuck with sharks. Yes. (laughs) What is your favorite place you've ever been? Oh God. Um, the comedy store. Love that. Yeah. Um, a book from your mandatory reading list. Ooh, uh, I read a lot. Um, I can tell. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, mandatory. Um, it's so hard to pick one. Uh, I'm going to go with um, anything by Brett Easton Ellis. Uh, less than zero, probably. Excellent. Yeah. Or um, I like Salinger a lot too. I like his uh, for Esme with Love and Squallers, like my favorite stories. Yeah. Oh, so good. A song, an album or a musical artist that you've been obsessed with lately? (sighs) Lately? Uh, I listen to really old stuff. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I used to, I've like done, I've stripped to Steely Dan. Yes. uh I used to do Bruce Springsteen all of the time I'm always obsessed with Dolly Parton I absolutely fucking love Dolly Parton how could you not how could you I mean I think a lot of uh white people who grow up in the midwest or south grow up with this weird thought that Dolly Parton is like their great aunt like I thought Dolly Parton was a member of my family until I was like seven I love that like I I firmly thought that she was just a member of my family I'm (laughs) sure spiritually That's amazing. Uh, what is your secret talent? Uh, I can say the alphabet backwards. Nice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Do you want to demonstrate it? Z-Y-X-W-V-U-T-S-R-Q-P-O-M-N-L-K-J-I-H-G-F-E-D-C-B-A. Oh my God. Wow. That was so fast. I know. My mom taught me how to do it when I was little. Her grandpa taught her how to do it. It's like a fun little family. Oh, yeah. I love that. Finish the sentence. Good sex is. Good sex is enthusiastic sex you have with someone that you really like. I love that. Yes. And if you had one superpower, what would it be? I think I'd be able to fly. Um, I live in LA, so that would be very uh, appealing because I could get to the airport a lot faster. I love that. You wouldn't even need the airport. I wouldn't even, you're right. I wouldn't even yeah. need the airport. I, yeah, why am I saying of all the I would fly to the airport? Oh my God, Kate. Wow. Dream big, kid. Um, you might I need more coffee. <laughs> I'm almost done with this pot. I do usually drink too. Um, oh, a woman after my own heart. Yeah, I think I would, I think I would fly. Um, that would be pretty awesome. Cause yeah, traffic sucks. And uh, uh, that would that'd be pretty fun. I, I think second, that. I would say I'd be invisible because I love eavesdropping on other people's conversations. Yes. Um, it's so good. <laughs> really one of my favorite things. I'll like go to bars and sit by myself and just like listen to people on like a bad first date next to me and like write down. Yes. <laughs> yeah crack open a book but not read anything at all I used to go to this little place that like the it was like a big first like tinder date place and I would go alone and the bartender knew I did this so I'd sit at the end of the bar and he'd always push like a candle closer to my notebook so I could see what I, I was there and he'd take shots of me and he'd be like that guy's a fucking dick and I'd be like I know 
he brought up his owning a katana within like the first two minutes of this tinder date like oh no big cringe <laughs> so fun it's Bad like move. one of the things the pandemic really robbed me of was my ability to you can't you have to stand really close to eavesdrop on people it's true <laughs> you can't socially distance oh it's amazing um and the final question is what is something simple that brings you joy uh sleeping in rolling over and my dog being on the pillow next to me just on like a nice warm sunny afternoon knowing that I don't really have to do anything today I can just chill and she's you know my whole world so anything with her yeah she just she makes me so happy oh I love that (laughs) I love her (laughs) well thank you so much for joining me today this has been so much fun Yeah, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Let's say goodbye to the listeners. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a good day, y'all. Thank y'all for listening. That was such a fun interview. I had such a good time, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) I love my job. I love it. I mean, I love my job. This isn't really my job, but I love this particular hobby of mine, and I also love my job, so that's pretty cool. Um... Yeah, I'm just really grateful that I get the opportunity to talk to so many other sex workers that I wouldn't normally get to talk to, and I wouldn't have that opportunity if y'all weren't listening and supporting the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'll say it again, thank you. And here we go with a space fact that I did not premeditate. So it might be a little strange. You're welcome. So if you decide during your galactic travels, intergalactic travels, that is, to get into a relationship uh, with someone of a different species, it's important to remember that their expectations of what a relationship is on a base level may and most likely will be different from yours. So once you get the language barrier or your little device that will translate for you (laughs) figured out, be sure to find out what their expectations are and clearly state your own in order to ensure the relationship's success. You know what? Maybe you should just do that in all your relationships anyways. So space travel or not communicate clearly (laughs) be kind y'all nanu nanu motherfuckers